Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under, category like fragrances and handbags, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macy's.com slash gift finder to shop. That's macy's.com slash gift finder today. This is The Run-Through, and I'm Jose Criales Sueta. And I'm Laia Garcia Furtado. And this week, we are taking over again for Chioma and Chloe, uh, who are away. On a very well-deserved yeah, vacation. La vacanza. La vacanza. Like Dula Pipa. Exactly. <laughs> Today, we have a very special show because we're bringing it back to our roots. We're talking about the blogging era, ancient times. Ancient history. Fun fact, Jose and I both sort of began our careers in blogging. Well, I began in formal blogging and Jose began in what blogging became, mm-hmm. aka Instagram. The Instagram era. Instagram story blogging, but writing. Right. But that's where you started, right? Yeah, that's how I started. I was a designer already and I was working as a designer and I really wanted to write and I had things to say. Um so I really wanted to talk about fashion and like the outlet that I had was um Instagram. Because before I used to be very much like a big Tumblr person. But shout Tumblr, out Tumblr. Shout out to Tumblr. But by then, Tumblr fashion wasn't really like popping as much. So I was just like, let's just do it on Instagram stories. And <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> and now we're here. But tell me about your blog. What was the name of it? So my blog was called Geometric Sleep. No mm-hmm. big surprise. If anyone, that's my Instagram handle also. So if anyone was, anyone was ever like, why is that? It came from a blog. Um, yeah. So I started a blog in 2000 and six because i'm <laughs> 2000 ancient. and redacted yeah 2000 and redacted basically the same uh i had a lot of like fashion opinions that um i wanted to share with like five friends because this wasn't like share with the world it was like my friend had a music blog and i was like oh i'll do the same this is what i can bring to like Love. our friend discourse yeah um and then it just you know happened to sort of uh, coincide with the rise of blogs so that brings us to our guest today Tommy Tan and Phil O, former bloggers, now street style kings. Tommy Tan, who we used to know as Jack and Jill, because that was mm-hmm. the name of Tommy's blog. And Mr. Phil O, aka Mr. Street Peeper. Street Peeper. Um, two icons of the street style blogging era that have, of course, translated into publications like Vogue itself. Tommy used to photograph for style.com. RIP style.com. which became Vogue Runway, which is what Lai and I do on our day to day. Um, shout out to Nicole Phelps. Shout out to Nicole Phelps. <laughs> and of course, Phil is our resident street style photographer who photographs um, every season. Every season. And you know, the girlies love to look. Mm-hmm. I'm girly. They love to find themselves. I will post, if Phil takes my picture, I will post it on Instagram. That is fact. Fact. But before we get into our conversation about the beginnings and the current state of street style with Tommy and Phil, let's get into what happened the last couple of weeks because there is a lot. There's so much. So there's celebrity uncouplings, UFOs. Let's save the best for last. Let's save the best for last. Everybody, I think, will know what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. But the uncuffing season is upon us. 
<laughs> the name uncuffing season is iconic and you know laya you kind of ate that when you come up with that thank you but everyone is breaking up as you might have seen on your feeds I, what to, is happening well personally i think the most not shocking because i'm not surprised that they broke up because i'm talking about rau my <laughs> mi gente rau <laughs> and rosalia <laughs> who broke up after they were engaged, which was, they were engaged. yes, surprising, because they made their love sort of, you know, they put out an EP. It was a big a deal. A really good EP. Beso mm, stays on my playlist. It was very good. It was very good. But, uh, you know, the Latinx media has lost it completely over this mm-hmm. breakup, and it has low-key brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> well, there's allegations of... Everything. Everyone. Cheating, distancing. Shakira somehow got thrown in the Shakira, mix. Shakira. Ka- Everyone is uh, in it. Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello. Everyone in the media whose name is in Spanish has been yeah. thrown into the mix. Also because um, Rao was bring, bringing people to like a river in Puerto Rico, which my friends and I... I for cannot... those of you who don't know, Laya is from Puerto Rico. <laughs> I'm Puerto Rico. So Rao brought Shakira to the river. <laughs> I just... <laughs> And ever since then, we're like, oh, are you going to let Rao bring you to the river? And it's become this whole thing. But anyway, Rao brought Shakira to the river, but they're not. I mean, I would go to the river. You would go to the river with Rao? Yeah. But she's allegedly with Lewis Hamilton. Yes, who has been chasing her in Miami, allegedly. Yeah. Um, But other breakups. Other breakups. So Ariana Grande um, is getting a divorce, which I will say is quite sad because in Thank You Next, she says, uh, she has this line about how she's only going to do it once. And listen, my girl, <laughs> I feel your pain. Um, but of course, all the internet knows about her rumored current boyfriend. SpongeBob. SpongeBob. But, Not the original SpongeBob. Musical SpongeBob. Yes. AKA American actor, <laughs> Ethan Slater. <laughs> um, but we're going to let you guys go into Twitter or I guess now X to mm. dive into that. Honestly, don't. Yeah. let's. We're just going to stay out of that one. But also... <laughs> Speaking of mi gente, Sofia Vergara is also getting a divorce from Joe Manganiello. Oh, my God. Which I wasn't expecting that one. That was surprising, I agree. Yeah. I was like, listen. They were together for a long time. Long time. Did and they have they kids? Were, no. no. I, that's part of the alleged, oh. that's the alleged reason he wanted kids. She didn't. But we don't know that. We don't um, know that. And it's none of our business. It is. Who said that? Was that Brittany? That's a callback yes, to, call to last exactly. week. She said, mind your business. And we are. Exactly. Respectfully. We're respectfully, respectfully looking. Yes. And respectfully discussing. Um, you know who isn't minding their business? <laughs> Aliens. You know what? <laughs> That's correct. Can we talk about that? I am. We've been spiraling over at Vogue Runway. So... There have been congressional hearings about UFOs because this one dude tasked with, like, researching— well, they don't call them UFOs. The government calls them UAPs. What is Unidentified a UAP? aerial phenomena. So UFO, passe. UAP, mm-hmm. it's like professional. It's like Please professional. welcome to the stage. <laughs> yes. UAP. Yay! But— the part of this congressional hearing that had everybody screaming, everybody being maybe just me and Jose, <laughs> is the part where this guy is like, the government has non-human biological matter. Remains. Remains. And I was like, what? Yeah, they recover them from alleged crash sites. But I'm like, crashed where? I mean, How? Roswell, against what? real. X-Files, also real. I'm I'm really spiraling about this. <laughs> they were fiction, but they are not. Also, speaking of X-Files, quick segue. Did you read about the worm that got defrosted? Yes, 46,000 years later. Yes. Welcome back, Diva. So, actual X-Files episode. <laughs> this is this is mad scary. Listen, I watched every single Jurassic Park's movie. I have no desire to relive them. Um, we don't need to be bringing things back. No. But, but the worm came back by herself. Period. I thought they had revived her, sort of a, you know, Frankenstein style. But she defrosted and she was ready to go. Welcome back, diva. Period. She ate that. Yeah, she really Um, As long as she doesn't eat us. No, no. I think she died. So, you know. But I do have an important question for you, Laya. Yes. Who do you think is the representative from the human population who should, we should send to meet the aliens? (sighs) Wow. You know, that's a very incredible question. Um, someone said it should be Demi Lovato because she, used <laughs> because, this, because she said that yeah. aliens are real for so long. Yeah, that's true. So, period. 
You know who would have been amazing? Who? David Bowie. Oh, now that. Don't you think? Yeah, that's a good rap. Because music is international or universal language. And David Bowie always had cool vibes. Yeah. But maybe since David Bowie is no longer with us, R.I.P. David Bowie. R.I.P. Tilda Swinton. <gasps> that is the perfect. Oh, and she should wear Hyder Ackerman. Yes. Amazing. That's my final decision. That is your final decision. And I agree. Speaking of aliens. Speaking um, of aliens. This weekend, I went to see our alien superstar, a.k.a. mother, a.k.a. Miss Beyonce Giselle Nobles Carter. Everybody was at that show this weekend. My Instagram Listen. was like... Beyonce, 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 Beyonce. I just don't think I'll ever be the same. Tell me everything. What was the most surprising part of the show? So, you know, by now, everyone has seen online that she starts the show with a run of ballads. So she sings Dangers in Love, One Plus One, iconic song. Um, And, you know, when I first heard that she was doing that, I was like, oh, okay, like she's her own opening act. But I was like, let's get straight into Renaissance. I was like, give me that jolt of energy from the go. So I wasn't fully sold. And then when I was there, I was like, period because renaissance starts with i'm that girl the song mm-hmm. so what she's really doing is that she's reminding you why she's that girl and then she's telling you storytelling so, exactly and again just the vocals the hair the glum the looks everything is just incredible it's too good and what was the energy in the crowd because i think that's the best part of seeing like live music i'm telling you the energy that she was Okay, so Oprah and Gail King were at the same show that I was, and Oprah posted um, the other day on Instagram, and she was like, I've never felt anything like this, and it is true. Listen, I went, I was in a little spiral on Friday and Saturday. I was like, oh my god, what is life? What am I doing? Whatever, whatever. And then I saw that concert, and I was like, wow, so this is what it's like to be alive. That's how it felt. There's just, and I will say what I love is just the culture around this album, like the idea, like the queer energy of this music like it's just the ballroom segments of the show are incredible shout out to carlos basket shout out to honey balenciaga shout out to all the dancers really just incredible i i don't think i felt so many things i felt so much joy i felt so much energy i felt seen in so many ways i felt safe and something that i loved is that she did say that at the beginning like she was like you know this is this show is not about perfection this show is about enjoying life and about being present and about and i hope you feel safe i hope you feel happy and all those things run true and at the end of the show as she was floating on stage um she said trans is beautiful and you know what i cried i had already cried several times but when she said that i was like you know what there's no secret that you know we love beyonce but like the way she's risen to this massive status obviously has a lot to do with the way people have helped her rise mm-hmm. and the fact that she sees every single corner of that community that she's created is just so beautiful and that was so evident in the music so that was really special and i mean the looks are amazing um she's been we actually just published a story um sort of like doing callbacks from like what she's been wearing to the runway equivalent because she's worn so many designers and every tour that she adds more yeah and it's interesting because a lot of the a lot of pop stars, and no shade, this is just fact, they will wear the runway looks. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, here's this. Sure, some custom pieces here and there. But what Beyonce and her stylist do is they sort of create a Beyonce look that perfectly mixes the designer's aesthetic with what Beyonce is giving. Mm-hmm. And so you get cool, like the Marc Jacobs look that she debuted this weekend, which was a spring 2013 look from a great, like, black and white sort of mod collection. Then she turned it into this cool Beyonce thing. And, like, that's super Mm -hmm. cool to see also for, you know, it's like she's also serving a little for the fashion nerds. Exactly. That's what we love, that, you know, she's giving you the runway callbacks. Like, she has this famous Loewe look, right, the trompe l'oeil with the the two black hands. Um, That was a runway look that they Mm -hmm. reinterpreted. Shout out to Shona Turini, the stylist she's been working with. Um, who's been really helping create the looks. But it's just it's just such such an amazing thing to see. Like, And I just love the fact that she is folding all of these brands into the Renaissance universe so seamlessly. It's basically like what she's been doing is basically create like an index of the hottest brands right now yeah. just by including them into the world of Renaissance. Um, and it's wonderful. So I also had a musical weekend. Mm-hmm. It was a very musical weekend throughout, actually. And I had uh, 
quite a lot of friends that participated in both. Um, so there was Beyonce this weekend, obviously, and Le Tigre, one of my yes. favorite bands, also played in Brooklyn this weekend. I had So there was a, a lot of music. And I, as you were talking about, you know, the energy you felt and the safeness that you felt and, and what she means to the community, I also, I was like, oh, this was exactly sort of the vibe of the Le Tigre show where you mm-hmm. had just like um, a lot of like, you know, elder queers but love. actually a lot of really young people that made I me really that. happy because I was like, y'all were maybe like y'all weren't toddlers. Here. Y'all weren't here the first time around. And the energy was so amazing. Just like we were just fully moshing. And at one point, Kathleen Hanna, shout out Kathleen Hanna, is mm-hmm. like, do we have any security in the mosh pit? And she's like, I guess we don't need security in the mosh pit. And like she didn't because it's that's, all just like— it. That's how you, you know. know. It's all just like people jumping joyfully, like just um, just having a lot of fun, feeling safe. And, you know, I think uh, for a lot of people like Le Tigre was that sort of similar, like, oh, like there is space for me. Like I can be whoever I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out J.D. Sampson. Shout out John Fateman. Just like, you know, a cool mix of like queer culture artists like punk rock and i too was all we had a tough week last week so i too was Mm -hmm. spiraling and i went to that show on friday and afterwards i was like i feel so alive (laughs) i'm invincible the power of music and community (sighs) truly so you know like this that you mentioned the idea of safety and community and just creating a safe space you know it just reminded me of over the first couple of months of the year i wrote this massive story um that was like 40 hours of interviews it was an oral history of the way in which the ballroom community has gone from you know an underground subculture to a massive global phenomenon Mm -hmm. right for those of our listeners who may not be familiar do you want to break down voguing and ballroom uh quickly give us the abridged version if you want the full version you gotta read the article (laughs) but give us the tldr the tldr the ballroom community is uh historically black and brown queer community that started in the U.S. and how now has become a global phenomenon of marginalized queer people that came together to dance and be inspired by each other and sort of like live their own fantasies of who they are and the superstars that they can be. And many of them have become one. And voguing is a part of ballroom. So it is a category and it's also a dance. You may recognize it from Madonna's Vogue, the song. It's partially inspired by the poses of models in fashion magazines, particularly this one. Vogue. Vogue. At Renaissance, it was so beautiful to see ballroom being embraced in such a massive stage with key members of the community, with people that like I've read about, heard about in my interviews. And I asked uh, people in the community, like Leomi Maldonado, um, Kevin Avians, and what it felt like to see this on stage. And um, Kevin also told, gave me this one beautiful line about the energy that Beyonce has been projecting. And, you know, she was like, Beyonce is giving you the, the same similar energy of, of a trans woman. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in terms of like that pure, don't fuck with me, power. Mm-hmm. And it's just like such a, such a unique thing. It was funny because Kevin was like, people think I'm crazy, but maybe it doesn't make sense, but I know it. Like, I've lived my entire life around this energy, and I love these women, and I know these women, and this is the way they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. And that fun and that, like, power and that is just such a unique, beautiful thing that is beautiful to see Beyonce embrace this community, especially, and, you know, Kevin was like, all these Black trans women that are continuously killed Mm -hmm. It's almost like she's carrying them with her. Mm -hmm. And I found that really beautiful. But on that note, I also wanted to touch on something that really does not escape my mind. And actually this weekend, while some of us were in the Beyonce concert, there was a man who was actually my my age, 28, O'Shea Sibley, was actually fatally stabbed in confrontation with a a man at a gas station. He was voguing to Beyonce's renaissance at a gas station in Brooklyn. And a couple of homophobic men started shouting gay slurs and he didn't stand down he was trying to defend himself and he was like i it's just it's fucking heartbreaking and it just goes back to what we're talking about the power community the safety that we find in each other and the safety that we find in numbers and you know i've been thinking so much about renaissance but like the more i think of being at the concert the more i think of how this man who was just trying to enjoy this music he was a dancer he was a dancer he was a member of uh, one of the voguing houses and i think also it's really you know we live in new york we 
think that we live in a bubble. And mm-hmm. when I first read the news, I assumed that it had happened elsewhere. Elsewhere, yeah. And when I read, and I was like, oh, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's, you know, we take for granted, I think, sometimes that we're like, oh, like, you know, everyone in New York is like, yes, we need a safe space. But, you know, we're like everywhere that we go is a safe space because yeah. of the people that are friends from the people that we're surrounded. But we forget that that's, you know, it's a bubble. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, you know, that he was dancing to like Renaissance, that just it really it really broke my heart. But it was a it was a tough it was a tough week. It was a tough there week. Are, we don't want to be like. We don't want to bring the mood down. We don't want to bring the mood down, but, you know, it was a a tough week. We lost a lot of people. Sinead Mm -hmm. O'Connor last week, Pee Wee Herman, Angus Cloud. Angus Cloud. So uh, we don't want to bring the mood down, but we do want to um, recognize that these, like, incredible people are in our hearts. And they're in our hearts. And, you know, I think the, the great thing about artists is that their work lives on forever and that's a gift so we Mm -hmm. we always have that for generations to come and before we break i will say queer joy is not a crime the run through will be right back we've all been there before You're planning a dinner party or having family over or even just cooking for yourself when all of a sudden it starts to feel overwhelming. Uh, I live in a very small one-bedroom apartment with a very small kitchen. I can't figure out what to serve besides water soup at this point. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious, and this is Dinner SOS, a new podcast from Bon Appetit. Maybe it's a last-minute party with no menu inspiration. A kitchen with no space. A toddler who will only eat buttered pasta. Name your dinner emergency. We're here to help. Here's how the show works. On each episode, we'll take a call from a home cook facing a real dinner emergency. Then, I'll work with one of our editors or someone from our amazing test kitchen to try and solve it. Because cooking for the people you love should inspire joy without a side of stress. Make sure you're following Dinner SOS wherever you're listening now. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills, or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes, and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back. This week on the show, we have two of our favorite, most OG street style photographers mm-hmm. in the studio to chat with us, Tommy Tan and Phil O. They know each other. They've been friends for a long time. And it's really great to have them together because they really, it's like a, it's a package deal. Yeah, it really is a package. <laughs> it's like us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. So Tommy and Phil were pioneers in the street style uh, blogging days. Uh, sure, you know, Bill Cunningham was was there. There were others that were there before. The sartorialist was also there. But um, 
we love Tommy and Phil, so yeah. we have Tommy and Phil. Exactly. <laughs> and Tommy and Phil have really been a big part of the transition of street style from blogging and hobby and this sort of like recreational thing. From fangirling. From fangirling, exactly. From like standing outside the shows, fangirling about what people are wearing and like who these people are, fashion editors, etc. To making it an economic ecosystem. It's a business. It is a business. It's a business. And it was really great to hear from Tommy and Phil how they started out with their respective blogs, how they started working with Style.com and Vogue Runway, and how that has impacted their work over the years. It was great to listen to them talk about just like how they see this ecosystem that they are partially or in a big way responsible for. Yeah, I love that they were very... Uh aware of their influence mm-hmm. and that, that they were very forthcoming. Like, there wasn't any sort of like, no, what do you mean? They were like, yes. They're like, we know. We know. Exactly. And, you know, again, I love honesty. Me too. And I, it's so refreshing. And I love self-awareness. Yes. Yeah, self- <laughs> you know what? The If we had more self-awareness in this world, Period. it would be like that meme with the glistening, like, silver city. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to the run through, Tommy and Phil. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having <laughs> us. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So before we start, can you guys introduce yourselves? Can we start with Tommy? Who I are am... you? What do you do? What's your story? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Tommy Tan, and I'm a photographer, a street style photographer, I guess, if you want to be more specific. Why Sorry. Are you, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, my name is Phil. <laughs> Pretty much do the same thing Tommy does. Street style photographer. Yeah. Two icons of industry. Two icons, yeah. So can you guys tell us a little bit about your personal histories? How do you get into photography, Tommy? I kind of started in high school because uh, I was, well, I, I'm primarily, I think, a fashion enthusiast before a mm-hmm. photographer. Mm-hmm. So I felt like playing around with photography was an interesting way to dabble into fashion a bit. I don't think I had the patience for film, so that didn't last very long. Um, but fast forward to 2005 when I wanted to start a lifestyle website. This is before blogging. Mm -hmm. I felt um, this medium of street photography was a way for me to network and meet people in Toronto, which is where I'm from originally. So that's kind of how I started. I just bought a camera and was shooting automatic. Um, I I got bored very quickly um, with shooting in Toronto because it's not a fashion capital. So when I went to... Europe for the first time in February 2007, um, I became instantly hooked to the idea of shooting street style. And that's mm-hmm. where I met Phil randomly, I think, on the second last day of Paris Fashion Week when he asked to take my photo because I was wearing Jeremy Scott. <laughs> oh, my God. Amazing. The what French fry you? sweater. The, the, f- the food fight. Uh, the food hoodie. fight. Yeah. Do you still have it? Oh, of course. Yes. Period. We love an archive. archive. <laughs> I tried to pass it down to my nephew, but he was just like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> Good, so you can keep it. Yeah, oh, yeah of course. <laughs> what about you, Phil? How do you get into photography? I sort of fell into this ass backwards. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have any background in f- either fashion or photography. Um, but I was traveling around to Paris and London and Tokyo just to hang out. Okay. <laughs> and I figured I needed to think of some way to justify going yeah. uh, so I thought about doing a, a street style blog but there were already three at the time there was, that I knew of mm-hmm. uh, the sartorialist, mm-hmm. Hell Looks from Helsinki oh my yeah. god yes and, uh, and the face hunter Yeah. Mm-hmm. so I thought oh it's really corny uh, if I start a fourth street style blog I mean there's already three <laughs> that's so pure <laughs> that's so pure <laughs> So I, I, I thought, well, okay, if I add all these cities and then I tag all the photos with the brand that they're wearing and the style, you know, like polka dots or plaid, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, you know, now sounds, you know, it's like common. Every, everything is tagged. But at the time, it was sort of a novel, mm-hmm. novel thing. And I just had a cheap point-and-shoot camera from, you know, Costco. And a couple years later, after I started my blog, Seventeen magazine asked me to shoot an editorial. Iconic, <laughs> amazing. Uh, I don't think they knew that I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, they sh- quickly found out once I got <laughs> to set. <laughs> um, I figured, okay, I guess I'm a photographer now. I don't know. And I started going to fashion weeks because, uh, I mean, I used to stand outside of uh, cool stores like uh, Seven on um, Orchard Mercer Street, uh, opening ceremony or. Uh, in Tokyo, in, in mm-hmm. 
Harajuku. But I used to have to wait hours and hours just to get a couple of photos. Um, I thought, you know, it's like, you know, Fashion Week might be like shooting fish in a barrel. (laughs) (laughs) I can get a whole year's worth of content in an afternoon. So Amazing. He that's said afternoon. That's when he woke up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No morning shows for film. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Still to this day. No. Sometimes. Sometimes. How would you guys define street style photography? What is street style? What is street style photography? Uh, <laughs> well, a pessimist would say it's, you know, a glorified paparazzi. Mm-hmm. And what would an optimist say? No, I mean, the idea of street style photography was what people were wearing on the street. That's Mm -hmm. what it was defined by, obviously, Bill Cunningham and Mm -hmm. the photographer that created that book, Fruits. So it was what people... Oh, Shoichi. Yes. So then this idea of street style that happened outside of fashion shows, it was kind of like this manifestation of the intersection of um, blogging and digital with fashion. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, what people were wearing at the shows became this idea of what street style was. And then, obviously, through many years of different iterations of it, it became this whole social media craze where yeah. people were documenting what they're wearing outside their home or randomly on the street in Soho or whatever. So, I th- the craze really started from fashion shows. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you started 10, 15, 16, 16 years <laughs> ago, what was the scene back then and what is it like now? Well, at the time, at the, at the very beginning, there were so few photographers um, that everybody you wanted to photograph, we, we would stop them and ask, hi, my name is Phil. Can I take a photo of you for my blog? And it, it was just so relaxed and easy. So you had time to build relationships with, with these people. Well, the ones who said yes anyway. Mm-hmm. And as it got more and more popular, you know, since there's no, say, barrier to entry to doing this, more and more photographers started showing up. And it was gradual it started blowing up in 2008. I would say in the first two years, you could see the numbers increasing. Like That was already freaking us out, just to see at least 30 to 50 other photographers. And now to see hundreds or, I would say hundreds, not thousands, but like just to see 500 photographers outside an event where only maybe 200 people are invited, it's like we're outnumbering the amount of guests now, mm-hmm. as opposed to back then. You know, back then you can count the amount of photographers on your hand, which yeah. is me, Phil, and... Scott or Bill Cunningham, but now it's it's become more popular than the fashion shows itself. You know, you both started as bloggers, and the advent of blogging in itself that sort of became this massive movement in fashion, right? And but you eventually also started with like working with publications like Style.com and eventually Vogue Runway. How like we can start with you, Tommy? How did you start working with Style.com, which is what basically now is Vogue Runway? RIPstyle.com. RIPstyle.com. Well, I mean, I never had the intention of working for Style.com. I know Scott was initially shooting Street Style first mm-hmm. for Style.com. Um, so when I started shooting Street Style, it was for my blog, yeah. um, Jack and Jill. RIP. RIP. So when I when I started sharing my photos on this blog, that's when um, people started realizing, oh, there's this different aspect to Fashion Week because mm-hmm. um, I was a little bit more detail mm-hmm. um, focused. In 2009, when Scott left his position at Style.com, that's when I got reached out to take on that role. And you know, for a kid in high school who would spend his um, lunchtime looking at Style.com in the yeah. computer lab. You know, I was freaking out. Like, this is an opportunity for me to um, to showcase my work on a larger platform because it was such a huge audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is before, you know, we were looking at um, websites, you know, through our mobile devices or yeah. through social media apps like Instagram. So, um, your cover, the coverage you would see from Fashion Week was from one particular source, which is Style.com. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, for people who may not be familiar, like Tommy. <laughs> had a very specific style of sort and an obsession with shoes, I feel like would be fair to say. Yeah. So you got really incredible close-up shots of feet, which I think is also interesting because I think now is also so much about who is being shot, whereas before it was truly more organic. Like what is, you know, what is the thing that's being worn as opposed to who is the person wearing it? Yeah, I, I wanted it to come from the perspective of someone that really loved fashion. So for me, it wasn't it wasn't always about who I was shooting, although there was really not that many, there weren't celebrities 
um, or social media influencers attending. It was more about like, oh, you're wearing that Balenciaga shoe from 2003 or whatever. And like, I was just focusing on that. And what about you, Phil? How do you start working with? Uh, well, I, guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess when Vogue.com was la- relaunch, launching re- slash relaunching at the end of 2010, Scott and Tommy were already taken, so I was <laughs> the next one in line. <laughs> it's yeah, because there was a time that Style.com and Vogue.com existed, in, yeah, simultaneously. So that's for like four years. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's also something to history note. Yeah, I guess a photo photo editor reached out, and you know, I, I don't, don't want to sound like I'm rehashing the story of the Devil Wears Prada, but I, 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 know, I didn't do. really know. <laughs> Like, I knew the name was important, but I didn't really know. So I just went in thinking, sure, okay, a, a job, sure, you know. Mm-hmm. I got bills to pay. And then I guess they hired me. I don't really know <laughs> else what, what to say. I mean, I didn't really understand what it meant. And how has that changed over time? Because I think what's interesting is that, like, you know, your 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 street style photography has become such a synonymous of Vogue street style coverage, right? So h- how has that impression of what it means changed over time? So many people look at, the photos that you take every season for someone that's been a fan of phil's work and seeing the trajectory and where it's come from his street paper days like he knows so much more about clothes now and he's very particular about who he wants to shoot um it's happened very organically for him like it's a, it's a learning experience for phil mm-hmm. because it's not just you know oh you're pretty i want to take your photo now phil's just like ooh, like it really catches his eye because he's very specific right so yeah. You, if you look at Phil's photos initially, there was less chaos, but now he really embraces the chaos, yeah. and that's what he thrives on, right? The chaos is great. Phil? The composition. <laughs> yeah. You know, the chaos and composition, Phil. You press the button enough times, and one of them is bound to be oh. all right. <laughs> Phil, this is Phil. This is Phil. <laughs> he has a signature about what, yeah, how he shoots. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you see a busted ass face in the side of a corner of his photo you're like oh that's a Phil photo (laughs) (laughs) someone giving side eye he's capturing the realistic chaos of fashion week well you know we we take thousands of photos every season that I want to try to make the pictures as memorable or as funny or as interesting as possible I mean otherwise it's just you know oh here's another great outfit time to make the donuts again you know it's just so I try to make it as interesting as I can just for my own personal, uh, you know. You got to keep yourself interested. It's yeah. your, I mean, it's your eye. That's what we want. That's what, that's but, what we want from, from Like Tommy people. said, Tommy, you know, grew up being an enthusiast. He, he knows, he's an encyclopedia of, mm-hmm. you know, of, of fashion, um, or it's me, uh, you know, having zero background or interest really in fashion. It was all a learning process that, you know, I, that I picked up over the years. And there's value in both things. And that's yeah, important exactly. for people to know as well, that you can discover things as you go along and that, you know, quote unquote, untrained eye is still, uh, you know, valuable and important and bring something unique. Yeah. And there's something very interesting Thanks. about the sort of like very encyclopedic approach to fashion and being like, oh, I want to photograph that because that's a really like iconic piece. Or looking at something and just being like, that's a really cool outfit. You know, like, oh, that's an interesting photo or that's an interesting person. <clears throat> which you both do because you do that too, Tommy. Like, you, you're also attracted to, like, interesting people or the way people put something together. Yeah, I'm very specific. Like, mm-hmm. if, if someone's at least two blocks away and I've realized I missed the moment, I'll still run after them. Whereas yeah. Phil... <laughs> <laughs> whereas Phil will strategically be standing there and be like, oh, there's some shirtless guy jogging right now and he's all sweaty. I'm going to wait till he cross paths with... I don't want to say who, but <laughs> but like he like he's very strategic. Like he's waiting for a specific moment where he wants to frame this yeah. really funny candid moment. Whereas I'm like, oh no no no, I need to shoot this Celine shoe against this backdrop. Or yeah. and it may seem boring to some, but like that's just the contrast of having a different point of view to fill. Right? Sorry. Yeah. It's just the eye has to travel. The yeah. eye you think has about this way travel. more than I do. I mean, Jesus. Well, I'm working on a book, so I have to oh, think yeah. about this constantly. Yeah. So. so actually, speaking, <laughs> speaking of, of <laughs> some people have been waiting for this book yeah. with breath that is baited. Including. I'm so sorry. It's right taking so long. No. So tell us a little about this process uh, of working on a book. Well, I started the process like seven years ago. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds ridiculous. How could you take so long? 
But the thing is, when you take millions and millions of photos, you're kind of questioning, why did I take so many photos? So, you know, through COVID until now, like I've sat down and really gone through everything and realized, you know, I can't just do a photo book for the sake of it. So um, I can't give too much away because my main competitor is sitting across the table from me. But (laughs) 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 Well, the girls are fighting. Something you should also know about me, and Phil would say, 100% 100% is I'm super competitive, yeah. always since day one. Mm-hmm. See? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've been working on this project for a very long time, and I just don't want to do a book for the sake of doing a book. And I feel like in this day and age, it has to mean something. So when it comes, trust me, it'll be worth the wait. Um, yeah. Or I'll, I mean, be, or I'll be dead. I don't know. No. We'll see. <laughs> we love friends who are competitors. Yeah. That's beautiful and healthy. Well, yeah. I think one reason why our friendship has maintains so strong over the years is that Tommy's very ultra competitive, but I really, I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> he says that, but he does. Oh, to okay. certain, to certain mean, extent. To a certain extent. But to the point where it never became a problem. It never mm-hmm. became a yeah. problem. Yeah. So. I love that. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, so because I don't have, obviously, the Star.com platform where I'm shooting and sharing photos every day, if I see something and Phil's just talking away i have to scream i'm like Phil, get your ass over there i've absolutely witnessed this <laughs> exactly you've seen it where i'm yeah. like stop talking you yeah. make it seem like i'm some you know <laughs> well the uh, thing is also like what's funny is like phil also knows everyone right like at, at fashion week always tell me as well but <laughs> while people are distracting phil yeah I mean, if you miss one photo, no, it doesn't matter. Like, but it, it's a funny thing when, like, day. yeah, it's a funny thing <laughs> where there's going to be like day. someone in the background, yeah. and you know, it's a social are, job. Yeah, it's a social. It's a very social it's job. Very social, you're you're yeah. both you're both very good at. It's exhausting. And, yeah. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. Do you ever see a new face or name on your news feeds and say, who the heck is that? Our podcast, Who Weekly, is everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Think of us as your cheat code to People Magazine, your glossary for Hollywood, a shortcut to understanding pop culture at large. For the past eight years, Who Weekly has been telling listeners everything they need to know about the celebrities they don't. The New Yorker says we spelunk deep into the demimonde with convivial delight. That's a direct quote. Mostly, we're going to explain to you Irish star Barry Keoghan's sudden rise to fame and relationship with a not-so-under-the-radar pop princess named Sabrina. The fake wedding Real Housewives star Cynthia Bailey had to promote a limo rental company. And why all the Gen Zers you know are talking about a guy named Benson Boone. Each episode goes deep into the biggest celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we answer the most burning celebrity queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. With access to so much information, it's hard to feel like an informed, discerning citizen. That's why on Make Me Smart, which is a podcast from Marketplace, we make it easy for you to stay in the know. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdahl. Every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I unpack the latest from Washington, D.C. The Senate Minority Leader has announced that he will step down as the Republican leader. What's happening in AI? Uh, I mean, don't buy at the top, but holy cow, artificial intelligence and all the companies related to it are the, the hot new thing. And we do the numbers. So as a refresher, inflation is the rate of increase in the prices of things. It's not just sort of things getting more expensive. It's the speed at which things get more expensive. Because in a world that's constantly changing, we all need to stay smart. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. I wonder if you ever stop and think about, and this is, fully real questions, very serious. The, like, the way that your work actually has changed uh, this sort of very specific aspect of Fashion Week. Like, businesses, like, people, like, people dress to be photographed outside. Like, it's this whole ecosystem that, and I, you know, I'm not, like, yes, Bill Cunningham was doing street style before and there were all these people, but I think the specific phenomenon that exists right now was, you I mean, know, it's URL. It's was, a .com of it all. Was that you. was really you. Do you ever think about that? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> you do? Well, it, you know, I, I guess you hate when people like, oh, back in the day, everything was so much better. But, you know, in the early and mid years of our respective careers, uh, you'd say that the photos that we took sort of documented 
what people what people were wearing, the outfits they put together. The, so trends were created out of the street style photos. So mm-hmm. in a way, the the men and women in the photos and Tommy and I, I guess, collab- unknowingly collaboratingly created trends mm-hmm. that designers or stylists or, or consumers would um, react to. But I think with the rise of, you know, influencers and celebrities at shows who are dressed in head-to-toe runway looks by the brands, brands have sort of snatched back that control of creating trends by setting the trend of yeah. This look thirty six. <laughs> so to contextualize Here's our brand for, vision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to contextualize us that further a little bit for our listeners. So now a lot of people will show up to shows dressed by brands, right? And what happens is that brands are trying to make the street style the show outside of the show, which is you'll put these people, influencers, celebrities, whatever, editors, sometimes in the clothes that are currently in the store, being the last the season prior. So now you're not only selling what you have on the runway, but you're also selling what's what people are wearing on the street, right? So there's less less looks that are organic and what people actually wanted to wear. And there's a lot more of like a lot more of a strategy, right? If street style at the beginning was something truly like intrinsic to the person's style, and now as a whole, there's a deck and there's a strategy and there's a merchandising plan all around. <laughs> hopefully Phil taking a photo of said person, hopefully Tommy taking a photo of said person and posting it, right? It's become an entire ecosystem, as Laya said. It's it's a marketing exercise mm-hmm. because, <clears throat> like, f- fashion week street style was very focused on editors mm-hmm. or buyers or stylists, and they were the ones that were just dressing for themselves. There was no brand that's dressing them. They weren't under a microscope. Like, it was just everything happened organically. And that was why Phil and I were interested because what we were seeing, what people were wearing were not it wasn't editorialized. It was, this was very accessible and it was inspiring. And it, it was just different from red carpet fashion, right? So kind of when that really blew up with the whole social media introduction, I think that's when people realized, oh, Fashion Week is a public thing where I can show up and be photographed. So I think when brands started realizing, oh, here's a marketing opportunity where it's not going to cost us X amount to place advertising in your magazine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I don't work for Vogue. It also doesn't matter. <laughs> it also doesn't matter, period. No, but it's... I think brands woke up and realized, oh, here's an opportunity for us to just basically dress these Make people. Make it an advertorial. Making it an advertorial. And it's, it's free advertising mm-hmm. for us because it just trickles through so many different channels, right? Yeah. So I think that's when it totally flipped around and it started becoming less about... Um, the insiders and more about these people that were also brands on their own, you know, Mm -hmm. because everyone started establishing their own um, profile. Absolutely. The influencers. So that's kind of like how influencer culture kind of, in my opinion, originated Mm -hmm. from from fashion. I mean, speaking of insiders, like I think that's also, you know, at the beginning when Street Style was just editors and, and buyers and stuff, like it was, you know, the blogging landscape, it was like 10, 15 people and we were all just like, blogging away because we were a little fashion nerd. So I think the really cool thing at the beginning was that for a lot of us, because this was also, I mean, it was still sort of early internet, like you're reading names on a magazine and you sort of maybe know what some of the editors look like, but you also didn't. Like we all just, like Anna De La Russo existed as a name yeah. until she started being photographed like outside of the shows. And it was like, oh my God, this editor has like incredible style. So it you were also- fangirling. Yeah, we were all fangirling. So it was very, it also sort of raised the profile of the editors and the buyers to become, you know, influencers and stars themselves. Fashion stars. Fashion stars. The heroes of our industry suddenly became the stars of our industry. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting is now the photos that you both take are like brands use them as like again, to promote themselves, but also people use them to promote themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. editors, influencers, <laughs> like people just completely use this content as a way of self-promotion, but also placing themselves in this sort of, oh, I go to Fashion Week, I dress well, and this person takes my photo. Has that impacted your point of view when it comes, or like the way you choose who to photograph and who to not photograph? I'm curious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Go off. You have something to say, Tommy. No, I mean, not to sound shady, but, you know, like, 
we genuinely really miss the idea of just someone coming and just not caring about the idea of being photographed for just they're they're there to attend a fashion show and mm-hmm. do their job. So when it becomes this whole parade of just peacocking, obviously you're just kind of, you think, oh, I don't want to photograph that person because they're just so thirsty. Yeah. And yeah, like how would you feel if you know Brad Pitt was just like turning 360 at every camera? <laughs> You'd be like, oh, this guy is like a you know a show pony, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So it's it's hard when you see people doing that because. Like for me, I just I love the hunt of finding someone I've never met before and just being completely enamored by how they dress. So when you have a parade of people that are coming just to be photographed, you kind of just want to take that big cane and, and just pull them off mm-hmm. to the side. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really That's bad. a great visual. No, but it's true. But no, the, it's you true. know, those people are fewer and fewer further what's that further and fewer and fewer. Be- and further in between, in between, in between, yeah. Yeah. they're rarer. A lot of yeah. ESL people here, right? They're rarer. <laughs> rarer. To find, um, you know, there there aren't so many young people that start working at in editorial or in department stores who have the clout to be able to get sent to fashion weeks. Um, you know, in the earlier years, there would every year, every season, there would be, oh, it's a, you know, the. F- the market editor assistant from Marie Claire Hungary. Okay, <laughs> you, you know, like there yeah. were always new mm-hmm. people around, but now, uh, you know, with the market forces of publishing, mm-hmm. um, world's getting smaller. And, yeah, there's almost like a, this. It's the same people that are traveling yeah. that have yeah, been the same traveling. top level people. exactly the same top level people that have been traveling for <laughs> a really long time, right? So there's not a lot of new people too. Photograph. But when we do find those new people, it's mm-hmm. really exciting. We're very so territorial, then, too. You know, when, when <laughs> you see these people coming dressed in head-to-toe looks, you know, it's not exciting, but what it am I, I going to do? To make it really special. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. There, Tell there, me more someone. about your territories. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know what he's talking about. Sorry, this is me being super competitive. So. <laughs> I love that. This is perfect. This is what the people want to listen to. Well, you know, sometimes if you can't find the people at the shows, you just use Instagram or social media to find people. So sometimes I'll find people that way and I'll be like, you know, if you come to a show, Phil O will be there (laughs) and he will photograph you. But I will only make sure he photographs you. So (laughs) I'll help. I mean, I'm strategic in a way where I don't want someone to become overly exposed. Right. I love that. Or I'll be like, are you coming to the show? Can we meet up a few blocks down the street just Mm -hmm. so that you're not bombarded? Because, you know, the moment someone becomes a street style star, it kind of is yeah. a curse. <laughs> it's true. It's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I'm very fascinated by the idea of a street style star. I mean, so many careers. Yeah. It's a different landscape now, whereas mm-hmm. it really elevated their traditional nine to five job to another level where, oh, all of a sudden I'm in front of the camera. I also could be in a J. Crew campaign or walk a fashion show, which in some cases other your colleagues would look at you and think, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Without realizing, oh, it's actually the next stage in this whole evolution yeah. of social media and fashion, right? You should ask Phil, like, how does he go about determining what shows to go to? And then from what he gets from those shows, why does that particular image, what he fights for to be the main Shit, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how do you explain it? You just, ones screaming. you like. I I've mean. sat in the car where he's just like very, okay, I don't want to say too much, but he's very passionate about a specific image. Okay, it, that is true. Like yeah. I pretend to be so laissez-faire, but I actually spend way too much time like uh, agonizing over small, minute, like, See, he cares. it. This way, but you could see the mailbox. The mailbox is blue and it matches the dress. Uh, you know, it takes a long time. That's why my photos are always so late. <laughs> there was a rare instance last October at the Rick Owens show. Mm. And Phil doesn't always wait a long time after a show for oh, a particular yeah. person. Ooh. So two words, Erica Badu. Ooh. Tell the story, Phil. There's nothing to tell because I didn't get the photo. Right? <laughs> waited for like, I don't know, 45 minutes after a show because Erica Badu looked like this, I don't know, Rick Owens mermaid. Um... And I usually, you know, whatever, tomorrow's a new day. If you miss one photo, then who cares? Um, that's the real Phil. Someone really agonizing over a moment yeah. he really wish he got. Yeah, but that's you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wanted to know what happens when you miss something and somebody else captures it. Oh, yeah. 
Ooh. <laughs> and has that happened with you too? Ooh. I can answer that question for Phil. <clears throat> I think the photo he really wished that he got, but he wasn't shooting at that time, so it's not like it was a huge loss. I think everyone would would, would have loved to have captured oh, that. Oh yeah. That moment with Virgil and Oh and yeah, Ye yeah. and uh Ye West, Don C, Farnsworth Bontley, Bentley. Um, and Chris Julian, it randomly happened outside of a Comic on Men's Show um, way, way, way back early before I was even shooting for Saw.com. Um, there was, I think there's, there was only two photographers, me and someone else, and they showed up, walked towards us. I mean, this is, I, I wasn't really eager for the photo. I just figured, oh, sure, I'll take the photo because they just didn't post for us. And I didn't realize this photo would become such a huge phenomenon and also a precursor of what was to happen because mm-hmm. they i mean kanye was going to show us but his friends were just there to crash fashion week it right? was parodied in south park wasn't it, it was parodied in yes. south park but you know the funny thing about that photo is each of those guys individually became superstars in the industry like mm-hmm. it was a catalyst of what was going to happen mm-hmm. so I wish I was using a better camera and my photo was a bit more focused, but I mean, I'm so <laughs> grateful that moment happened because, you know, working on this project I've been working on, I realized, oh, like this photo is so significant because yeah. it really showed you what was going to happen in the future. Me, so. I, I try to live without regret. <laughs> <laughs> What's the point of feeling bad? I mean... What are some recent moments you photographed that you love that are memorable? Where were you? Who was it? What were they wearing? I mean, you just came back from Couture and Menswear. Is there anything there that you were like, oh, cool? Phil's photo out. of Cardi B and yes, an offset when he's he's letting oh, her, he's dipping yeah. her. That was a good one. When um, yeah, Cardi B and Offset were leaving the Balenciaga Couture show. They were waiting for the car. Um, and I don't know what possessed her, but she started like grinding. Grinding her ass. She against, loves her man. Against Offset's crotch. Um, and I was, you know, the only American, one of the only American photographers there, so I was like, egging them on. Like, yeah. Yeah. sure was egging them on. <laughs> Phil was like, oh yeah, don't, don't stop, stop. Get it, get, get it. it. <laughs> and then the, one of the French photographers was like, uh, okay, now do something sexy. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think she's doing? That, that, is a good a, one. that is a really good photo. It's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Thanks. Thanks Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Tommy? Pharrell coming to Junior Watanabe. No one's quite sure if he's coming. This bodyguard comes out holding the million-dollar Speedy. Speedy. He's holding it, and then the door opens. His wife comes out, and then all of a sudden you see Pharrell come out, and he's reaching to grab the million-dollar bag. That I thought was quite a great moment to capture. That is a great shot. Sorry. I was just wondering... You know, since social media is a new blog, how do you – don't quote me on that. I regret saying that. Uh, the <laughs> no, way it's, it's, it it's is. become the next iteration of – It is, which I think is also yeah. really funny the way that, you know, every time that it's like fashion TikTok and it's like we've been through this. We've, <laughs> we've been, been through this. Before. We've been through this again. But does you, the way that you used to shoot when you were shooting for blogs change now that you shoot and you have – you know, do you treat it the same way or is it different because you're shooting sort of for – social media if you are because you also share very select images make to your instagram account ah well you know i I think there's more pressure to shoot in a vertical you know portrait uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do you call it dimensions because it's better for social media but i've i just can't so i do like horizontal better (laughs) yeah i like horizontal better too i i used to shoot horizontally way back and that's how i started off and I guess I've become so affected by obviously the the dimensions of Instagram and TikTok. So now I shoot primarily vertical. But my problem now is I just like more and more and more options. So I'm just shooting so much. <laughs> but it's going towards something. So that's why yeah. I have a set idea in mind of what I'm shooting um, as opposed to just killing time and just taking photos. Right? Yeah, Tommy will take 100 pictures of the same person where I'll just go, Okay. (laughs) Move on. It's true. You know, sometimes I fuck it up and then I get home and uh, I should have taken a couple more. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Wait, is that how you're going to start ending them? (laughs) Just a kiss. Just a kiss. So that's it for this episode. And the end of our residency. 
Thank you so much for again you. to Chloe and Chilma for giving us the keys to the house. We'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. Mwah. Adios. Bye. Kuchi kuchi. <laughs> I know. Like, uh, what other things can we add? <laughs> ow, ow, ow. The Run Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Leftenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. This episode was engineered by Jake Loomis and mixed by Mike Kutchman. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.